Good morning, everyone. Today is November 6th, and today I have a little bit of time this morning before the day gets kind of busy, so I'm hoping that today's the day that the Lord wants this video released. If it all works out, I'll know um, that he does. If not, I guess it's practice. And uh, this morning I've got my son out here. I might get interrupted a couple times, but he's doing a little painting and fishing. Um, so uh, my husband's been asking me, have you made a video yet? Um, you know, cause I know a week's gone by again, but I just can't make a video. Um, I just don't feel like that's what the Lord's asking me to do to just, uh, you know, out of my own power, make a video. So I just have to follow the ebb and flow in this, of the spirit. He's been giving me just lessons, you know, and they take time to develop. It takes time for me to understand, um, and, and look in the Bible and, and put the material together that he's giving me. Um, but I've really had a good time with the Lord this week. He's poured out a lot, you know, more than usual. And I feel like he's given me a three course meal or maybe breakfast, lunch and dinner. I don't know, but, um, I feel very filled up with the word and, um, with, with the Holy Spirit. And it's just been awesome actually this, this week. Okay. Before we get started, I just want to say a little prayer. I need it. Holy Spirit. I just ask you for a fresh anointing on these words, on this lesson. You are the only one who can open our eyes to see truth and the only one who can reveal to our hearts the Word of God and make it come to life and allow us to understand, you know, the, the things hidden in the Spirit. And so I just, I just pray that you work in our hearts today anew and open, open the eyes. You know, we're blind without you. So we just praise you, you know, for the work that you do and for opening our eyes to these, to these things that you want us to know in your timing, Lord. Uh, you are the grower, you are the farmer, and you have the plan and purposes for our lives that are beyond our comprehension. You chose us to be here in this place, in this hour, by your design. Everything. Jesus is for you and through you and because of you. You're the author, the finisher. Father, thank you. Thank you for the story and, and for just being so faithful through all the generations, taking care of your children and loving your own, to inviting us through Jesus to have intimacy with you through the Holy Spirit to know you. You know, the more we know you, the more we love you, the more we love you, the more we want to know you. Just offer this video to you. Help me to get out of the way so that your words and your intentions come through clearly and um, just trust you to do the work uh, that you do in, in the hearts of those who, who are listening. Lord, thank you for this, this channel. Thank you for the people you've called here to listen to this video today. Thank you for the ones who have been here the whole time on this journey and the work that you're doing. We may not understand every part of it, but we know that everything you do is precise. It's mysterious. It's beyond our comprehension, but it's, it's with intention and you are an amazing author. You're beautiful, Lord. 
We love your story. Thank you for inviting us in. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I think I'm going to begin this video by reading a couple words that I've received that I haven't read yet. And when I receive words from the Lord now, I don't necessarily feel like uh, I need to jump on and, and just read that word. I, I feel like there's just this this maturation process that, that has to happen, um, that they're part of a bigger lesson now. It's just shifted a little bit. And when I first received this word, there's part of it I didn't understand. I'm starting to see that he now is in this week. When I go back and look at this, I'm like, wow, he's he's working some of this out in me. I'm not there yet, you know, but I'm going to talk about today the part that that I'm ready to talk about. I'm not going to say that I understand everything, but he's just opening my eyes and starting to lead me. And in doing that, I'm sharing that with you. I believe he's leading us somewhere specific. And there was a word from October 8th I'm not going to read today, but I think I'll probably read in this in this uh, grouping of videos that it was about the Eiffel Tower and I just was like not getting it and thinking it was really strange and questioning and uh, he said that in time I would read it and, and understand and, and this morning I'm like oh I think I'm starting to understand and then um, you know praise to the thank you Holy Spirit because you make these impossible things possible and uh, you he just opens my eyes and our eyes and your eyes when when it's time he's got seasons and times and seasons and purposes and and there's there's a direction you know he he doesn't just lead us haphazardly he plants the seeds and then he grows them it's really cool and then i'm going to read one from the ninth that i started to read in the last video but it just didn't seem to to fit perfectly so i'll read that today there's short messages and i'll put the verses that i got with it in the notes this is from October 5th, and I'm, I might read this again later with another video, I don't know, when part of this is addressed. Melissa, today you will deliver words to the people. Tell them I am a mighty God, mighty to save. All they have to do is cry out to me, and I will hear their cries. I am going to deliver them from the enemy, from the snares that hold them captive. I will deliver the lost and show them the way everlasting. My children will soon see me in the clouds. I will rescue them from this dark kingdom and deliver them to my home in the sky. They will be able to escape the coming war and be held in safety in my right hand. I will not let them be harmed. They will seek the lost and help spread the good news until my return. They will release my, my power on the earth and they will see many miracles bursting forth. All of that was a little bit mysterious to me. I've heard different theories on some of that, and so that's I wasn't sure. The days ahead are for the lost to rediscover the truth of my existence. The days ahead will bring many to their knees. They will see that I have never left them, but have desired them the whole time. I am not a God of wrath and destruction, but of love and forgiveness. The hour, though, will come when the dark kingdom will be eliminated from this world. The idols will be torn down, and a new kingdom will be established to the ends of the earth. There will not be any darkness, just the truth of my name. I will show the world something new, and it will stand. My kingdom will never fail. Melissa, you will soon see how I reveal these truths to the entire universe. I will begin soon to remove the veil that was, 
that has darkened the skies and the eyes of people. Do not fear, sons and daughters. Look forward with hope and longing for the day of your deliverance from this prison. You will be made new in completion, and you will radiate with light and love for all time. Sing to me, the day is here. And then on October 9th, at the top I wrote the Temple Mountain of the Lord. Uh, and, and that was, you know, that was the last video we talked some about that. On the 9th, Melissa, do not fear. I am sovereign over all. I am doing a mighty work in all the earth. It is beginning to wake up from its slumber. It is beginning to come back to true life and belief in me. There are many that will not awaken until the greatest shaking of all time is underway. But there are many designated to awaken at this time before the greatest shaking of all time begins. My child, the days ahead are going to threaten the people who have invested all of their treasures in the temporal. They will begin to shake with fear. But the ones who have stored their treasures in heaven will rejoice and be glad. The time of my great return is at hand. The whole earth will soon see the splendor and the glory and the truth of this everlasting kingdom. Daughter, the days ahead are filled with hope and expectation. As I complete this final chapter, do not fear, but wait in patience and in surrender to the plan as it unfolds on the earth. The plan to bring the whole world to its knees. An acknowledgement of the King, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Do not deliver this message today, but prepare to share testimony about the mountain of the Lord. You will see how this influences the coming messages. Daughter, you are on track. Do not fear. I am holding you. Continue to do the work set before you to do. The path is narrow, daughter. But you have discovered it because of the roadway by the wilderness I led you to. I love you. I said I love you, Jesus. Thank you. Um, so maybe I'll read those again, you know, at the end of this, and we'll see how far we've come in our understanding of some of those words. So when I was growing up, um, when I was, I think, 13, around 13 years old, maybe 14, I was ironing a shirt and getting ready for school, and I was praying to the Lord about something, and he responded, and he dropped a verse reference into my spirit, and I just was like amazed by that. I went and I looked it up. I was I treasured that in my heart so much that I've always used that my whole life as my password, you know, to, to bank accounts and email accounts and all the things. Um, and I was prepared to treasure that in my heart for my whole life, like the Lord talked to me once. That's amazing. And I was reflecting on that the other day. Um, in my, and I, I was talking to somebody about this on a comment yesterday. And in my chronological Bible, it went from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And it, it, uh, it spent a lot of time talking about just a brief summary of the apocryphal books, each one of them, you know, some history on them which I thought was really cool. And then it talked about how 
the Jewish traditions shifted up until the time of Jesus, how it went from temple worship to more synagogues, and how the Hellenistic culture kind of integrated. And the biggest effect that it had is it removed God into a God that was far away and no longer the personal God. And I think that our Christian inheritance has kind of mirrored that. I think a lot of the Greek philosophy and those schools of thought has mixed in with with um, with our church, and I see that you know. And and there's different kind of denominations in the in the Jewish culture that Jesus walked into, and um, they branched off into different schools of thought, and they all thought that they were right, and they became intellectualized, and they kind of strayed from the original plan, right, and. That's kind of how Christianity's gone with the the Church of Acts. Our church doesn't really look like that anymore. And so I was just reflecting on that and noticing the mirroring of that and all the denominations and things. And, you know, just thanking the Lord that I, I get to be a part of a church that kind of is more similar to the Church of Acts. And it's it's changed my life. It's changed, you know, I, I once again feel close to God. When I was 13, I think I was so shocked that he talked to me because I think I've been influenced by that, that he was a far away God. I've been told to have a relationship that he was close, but I didn't know how to access him. He, I didn't know if he was near or far, how close that was. Um, and in a lot of these messages, he says, the way to me is short. Just cry out to me and I'll answer you. And boy, you know, did he, did he prove that to be true? And I just, I'm excited that he's leading us all in this time and season back to, to this more intimate space with him and this correct understanding of who he really is. He's working that out in the world right now. And the really cool thing is it kind of comes back full circle where um, the, the Christians then are going to be seen as the ones who who carry this truth to the world and the Jews come back in, into the fold through that, you know, the, the ones that don't recognize Jesus and don't, you know, are kind of influenced the way that we were, that he's, that he's far away, that he would never, you know, that I don't think they believe that a far away God like that would ever step down and become, become a, a man. Isn't that right? I, th I think still their expectation is kind of a political, a political savior. Um, but there's going to be a time when he, when he opens their eyes to the truth and he's already, you know, written about that. So anyway, I just, I think that's awesome. So in the next part of this video, I just wanted to share with you something that's really helped me to rest in understanding God is really very much sovereign over all of this and he very much is already at the end you know we talk about that all the time but I've not really talked about this part of it and this is something that over time I've studied and really uh, come to lean toward as truth and it's God's 7,000 year calendar and I've, I've shared some of this with you know some people like myself who've been brought up in the traditional church with the traditional teachings 
and they they weren't in agreement with this but the more I look at this and the more the Lord leads me the more I really really lean toward this not that I have a perfect understanding of it or that any one person really does have a perfect understanding of of these things I do think he's he's uh, taught me to understand him in a more correct way by by this theory so God's 7,000 year calendar basically says in the Bible it gives us clues you know there's there's so many things in the Bible that witness within the Bible there's always like a witness there's a pattern there's symbolism there's you know when we've seen it once it explains you know we see it again we're like oh I understand that because I saw it back here that's a pattern or symbolism where where certain imagery is used to help to understand deeper truths and and we're going to talk about that in this video um, types and shadows we've talked about and this 7,000 year calendar the Bible has said that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord and to me this fits in with, with the things I just mentioned so in this there's kind of if, if, if you're in agreement with this there's kind of a timeline that he's allotted to like okay man it has this much time and I'm at the beginning and at the end I wrote this story and I'm leading and I'm teaching and I'm uh, the the kingdom is unfolding and there's a time when that for those of us who believe in the rapture where that window gets smaller and smaller as we know that there's kind of a limit here as we know we're, we're growing toward that limit and a lot of people believe, you know, in 1948, we kind of entered into that final chapter that this generation of 19, since 1948, when Israel was established again as a nation, that this generation is not going to pass away before all of these things are finished. So that kind of gives us a, a window here. And then if we believe in the 7,000 year kind of calendar, we know that there's a finish to, to here. So somewhere along this journey, I learned this, and it's just, it's so amazing to me. And again, uh, just reinforces that, that the Lord is definitely sovereign over all, and he's got this, uh, and we can rest. And that is that from Abraham, no, from the, I'm sorry, from the first Adam to Abraham, there was 1,948 years. And from the second Adam, Jesus, into the rebirth of the, the nation, Israel, 1,948 years. And just the precision of that. And it's just like, wow, he, he is authoring this. And do you guys ever stop and really think about the fact that Jesus literally started time over? Like, all time is based on before Jesus Christ and after Jesus Christ. It's right there smacking everybody in the face. And how many people even stop to think about this but anyway this the 7,000 year calendar I'm going to put it for you in the notes this is just one little brief article that I found on it quickly I liked it because at the end of the scripture it just offers a summary um, of 
basically, so the six days of creation, how they parallel to like the first day to the first thousand years, the second day to the uh, the second thousand years. Um, and I'm just going to read that summary at the end of, of each of these paragraphs for you. But I will put it in the notes so you can look at it yourself if you want the scriptures and all that. Uh, there's There's just so much out there that you can look into this is just one article but there's there's a lot of articles i encourage you to to dive into this and, and look at this and think about this if you've never considered this um spend some time with it because it's it's really actually pretty awesome so in this article it talks about the importance of seven in the bible and you know there's so much about the number seven and seven is is kind of a number of completion and in Genesis 1, he takes the Lord takes seven days to create the world. In Genesis 25, we're talking about the number seven in the Bible. God tells the Hebrew people to mark every seventh year as a Sabbath year. During the Sabbath year, they are to let the land rest and plant nothing. After seven Sabbath years, they are to commemorate with the year of Jubilee. In Joshua 3, when Joshua, which Joshua means Yeshua, and He's a type of Jesus. He's a, he led the Israelites miraculously across the Jordan into the promised land. God promises to drive out seven specific nations. The Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites. As I'm reading this, I'm just like, I'm so blown away by God. He's given me like these different meals, right? But they converge. I'm starting to see it. In Daniel 9, God says that the Antichrist will execute a seven-year covenant with Israel. And we know that Satan has a counterfeit of everything. Um, the number seven is also prominent in the book of Revelation, which was written to seven churches. The features... I'm sorry, let me start that again. The number seven is also prominent in the book of Revelation, which was written to seven churches and features seven lampstands, seven angels, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven thunders, and seven stars. For centuries, Jewish scholars have taught that God counts time in sevens. According to them, just a minute, honey, the seven days in Genesis 1 correspond to 7,000 years of human history. Remember, 2 Peter 3.8 says, A thousand years are like a day to the Lord. And this person says, That's why I believe the seven days of creation prophetically parallel each of the seven millennia of human history. Consider this timeline. In the beginning of this, I loved listening to Derek Prince because he was just opening my mind to scriptures in a way I, I never looked at it before. I looked at it as a bunch of very strange stories that didn't make a lot of sense to me and didn't really, like, they had an application, but I there's so much of the Old Testament I just really didn't understand. I didn't really like reading it. But Derek Prince, he's read the Bible he said, you know, 200 times, parts of it he's read thousands of times, and he searches the scriptures for these patterns and these these clues. Things like a day, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. That's a clue. And the Holy Spirit gives us revelation. Um, because how many people go to church and, and hear the stories and all the things, but never considered this? I never did. Growing up as, you know, a Christian um I never considered these things. I was never taught these things. I didn't have eyes to see these things. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see these things. And I just, 
I know he's doing this work in the world right now, you know, and eyes are opening to, to some of this. And he's, he's, we've been under this period of grace and he's leading us out of, out of that into, into the new thing. And, uh, he, he's not surprised. He knew all of that and there's a reason for it. And there's a, and I, I just, I'm just seeing, you know, like he's got us all on, a, on this journey. He's doing this mighty thing in the world. He's leading us to, to, to new territory, but each person is on their own unique journey and there's a time and a season in their own life for revelation to come. And I just want to invite all of us, you know, to have more grace for, for each other in the body of Christ that just because we don't necessarily agree a hundred percent with somebody doesn't mean they're not hearing from the Lord or they're not Christian or they're a false prophet or any of those things. There's actually different layers of revelation. It, it's true, but then there's a deeper truth and there's a deeper truth and then there's a deeper truth. You know, people aren't always at the same place and he's got us in different parts of the body. Our areas of focus are different, you know, but I just, I know he's going to bring us all together. He's going to unify us all. I, I just know he's going to do it. He says he is. He's going to finish his work. Okay, so again, this is just some skipping the scripture just for time's sake, but it will be in the article. I'm just going to read the summary at the end. Um, so day one, light separates from darkness. On the first day of creation, God separates light from darkness. Then the sins of the first humans, Adam and Eve, separate them from God, the God of light. Light and darkness separate physically and then spiritually. This separation was the most significant event in the first thousand years of human history. So, there's so much there. Wow, God. Okay. Um, and and I'm, I'm starting to see more and more, you know, the parallel of things that happen physically and things that happen spiritually. And the mirrors of that... And what this the Bible is about it's awesome on the second day the waters above and below separate day two on the second day God separates the waters above from the waters below in the second human millennium God accessed these waters above and below as a judgment in the flood God brought the waters together flooded the earth and then separated them again just like on the second day of the creation. Day three, seed-bearing plants fill the earth with life. On the third day, God creates plants with seeds. For the first time, the earth has life. In the third millennium of human history, the Lord made a lasting promise to Abraham that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. <sighs> Day four, lights fill the sky. On the fourth day, God makes lights to fill the sky, the sun, moon, and the stars. In the fourth millennium, God raised up prophets to give light to Israel. Then God sent his son Jesus as the great light, the light of the world. Day five, God creates living animals. On the fifth day, God creates the first living creatures. In the fifth millennium of human history, God raised up new creatures, a new generation of people. 
who would inherit eternal life because of Christ's life, death, and resurrection. Day six, God creates humans as the crown of his creation. On the sixth day, God creates man and woman. He tells them to fill the earth and subdue it. The sixth millennium is the one in which we are living today. God has empowered the church to grow and take authority in the world, just as he did for Adam and Eve. Like the first humans, the church has failed in God's commands, but by his Holy Spirit, he continues to empower us to accomplish what he originally called us to do. Day seven, God rests. After God created everything, he rested on the seventh day. We have not yet reached this day of rest, but it is near. In the coming seventh millennium, God will restore the earth, and all humanity will rest with Jesus as our ruler for the next thousand years. The Apostle John describes this thousand-year reign of Christ in Revelation 20. It assures us of the certainty of the last thousand years of human history as the millennium rule of Jesus Christ. So in conclusion, he says, close to midnight on day six, we are living at the end of day six, during the time before the rapture and the tribulation, a seven-year period which will be the most severe time in history on earth, and a time during which believers will experience a wedding with Jesus in heaven. And um, people differ on that, you know? Does it mean this person's not a Christian? No. Uh, some people believe the wedding is... Um, is starting the millennium. Some think it's at the end of the millennium. It's not lost on me that a traditional Jewish wedding lasts seven days. I, I want to say right there on that. Remember, for those of you that have been watching for a while, the dream that he gave me about the millennial bridge and how, like, there's literally a millennial, um, millennial bridge and there, in my dream, I went under a bridge and there were people waiting for me in a kitchen well, in this place in England, there's a flour mill who the architect was kitchen. So we went under the millennial bridge and just around the bend, he said, it's shaped like a rainbow. He said, just around the rainbow's end, my huckleberry friend gave me that song. Um, there, there was this kitchen. So that's where the people were waiting for the, for the feast. So does that mean that like just crossing the millennial bridge like we're just entering or we're finishing the millennium where the feast is, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure. I, that's something that I've, I didn't really consider. I have a friend who, you know, thinks that it's when we first go to heaven. So I just kind of agreed with that and thought that was right. But then he gave me that dream and I heard somebody else say that it was at the end of the millennium. And I'm like, wow, at the end of that dream, we were going under the millennium bridge. So does that mean it's at the be beginning or the end I don't know so I want to listen to this other person and see what they're where they're getting that um, theory from and I just that's something I'm just bookmarking as something to explore maybe some of you have thoughts on that all right it's not lost on me that a traditional Jewish wedding lasts seven days so in a in a he doesn't say this part right I don't want to read this but um, in, a, in a traditional wedding, there's, once they're married, there's a time of, of 
a year where the where the husband doesn't work where he just enjoys his new marriage so that to me sounds like millennium and then the eighth day is eternity when there's no more work to do um as far as like the the satan side of it you know he's done away with the evil's gone there's we're still gonna have jobs and things to do but that side of it is finished and that's eternity eternity oh it's gonna be so amazing guys we have so much to look forward to um I cannot wait to see what all of this is like. Um, so anyway, in the very beginning, by creating everything within seven days, God was effectively saying, I am allotting 7,000 years for humanity. During the first 6,000 years, humans will have an opportunity to manage the earth, and Christ will reign on earth for a thousand years. And uh, he's the Sabbath. That thousand year period is the seventh day, the day God rests, and it will be as a day to him, just as Peter wrote this. The 7,000 year calendar has been present since the very beginning with the Lord. One day is, is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. God isn't stalling or delaying needlessly. He is just giving every person an opportunity to repent and believe and follow his perfect, perfectly timed plan. So wouldn't you know, my husband comes in the other day. He had two two things to read. He wanted me to read from his um, Book of Mysteries book. And this one is just like, God, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? He's got this like whole thing planned out on this huge, massive scale of the things of creation, like the huge, giant thing. But then he's does that in each of our intimate personal relationships with him in our individual lives. He's got it all mapped out and planned. He already knows all the stuff. So let me see if I want to read both of these. Well, he gave me both, so I'll, I'll read both. But um, the purple mystery and then the second one and I think I'll, I'll end this video with this and uh, prepare for the next video. But the, the first one he told me to read was called The Purple Mystery. And then the next one is The Sabbath of Ages. So that will tie kind of what we've been talking about. Tie it all together and uh, conclude this video well, I believe. And it's about time for me to go. The Purple Mystery, day 289. The teacher was holding a purple cloth and running it through his fingers as if inspecting it. He then placed it in my hands. The color purple, he said. It is woven throughout the tabernacle, on the veils and curtains, even in the garments of the priests. Now look at the cloth I gave you. It's purple. It should be made of purple threads, but it's not. If you look closely, you won't find any. So I examined it. And, as he had said, I was in, unable to find in the cloth a single purple thread. Instead, it was made up of tiny blue and red threads finely woven together. Purple is the joining of blue and red. And if you looked at the veils of the tabernacle, you would find the colors blue, purple, and red. The colors appear in the instructions for building the tabernacle over and over. The same three colors and in the same order, blue, purple, and scarlet. Why? 
The tent of meeting was the place of the joining, the reconciliation, the meeting of two realities, God and man. And so the colors represented God and man. Blue is the color of the sky, the heavens, representing the heavenly God. So the blue is first. And the color red, scarlet. In Hebrew, the word for man is Adam. Adam comes from Hebrew word. Adam comes from the Hebrew word for red. Red is the color of the Middle Eastern earth from which man came. And scarlet red is the symbol of sin and guilt. Red is the color of man. So then, so then what is purple? Purple is the joining of blue and red. And so it speaks of the joining of God to man, heaven joined to earth. But for there to be purple, it must be a total joining. The joining of all that is holy to all that is not, of all that is God to all that is us, to all that is you. So totally joined that God will appear as sin. And as that total joining drew near, the heavenly one was beaten and mocked and made to wear a crown of thorns. And then he was covered with a robe. And do you know what kind of robe it was? It was a purple robe. A purple robe to cover the one in whom heaven and earth, God and man, blue and red, became completely one. Purple. The mission, today join all that is red to all that is blue. Join all that is ungodly to God and God to the ungodly. So much so, it becomes purple. The scripture given here, Exodus 26, 31, John 19, 1 through 6, Philippians 4, 5 through 7, 1 Timothy 1, 15. Seriously, again, thinking about Jesus all things were made through him, by him, because of him, for him. How poetic is he? And the more we learn about him in this way, how much more do you just love him and want to know him more? The Sabbath of Ages, day 290. The teacher had invited me and a handful of students to join him in his living quarters for a Sabbath meal. The sun had just set. We sat around a table filled with food as one of the students lit the two Sabbath candles, and the teacher gave thanks for the meal. We began to eat. What is the Shabbat? asked the teacher. The Sabbath day. It's the day set apart from all other days of the week, said one student. Yes, said the teacher. And what else? The last day of the week, said another. It's what comes at the end. And what else, he asked. The day of the Lord, I said. The day of rest, the holy day. And what do the Jewish people do on the Sabbath, asked the teacher. They rest from all their weekly labors, said one of the students, and devote the day to prayer, to the Lord, to worship, and to God. The Sabbath holds a mystery, said the teacher, a shadow of what lies ahead. The age to come is the Shabbat the Sabbath age. For as the Sabbath day comes at the end of the week, so the Sabbath age will come at the end of history. And as the Sabbath day is set apart from all the other days of the week, so the Sabbath age will be set apart from all other ages. It will be the Sabbath 
of ages, the age of the Lord, the age of rest. It is then that the nations will rest from war, and the Jewish people will rest from their burdens, and peace will cover the earth. And the lion will lie down with the calf, and this and as the Sabbath is Israel's day, so the Sabbath age will be Israel's age, a holy age, an age wholly consecrated to God and blessed. When Messiah spoke of the Sabbath and his relationship to it, what was it that he said? He said, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath, I replied. Yes, said the teacher. And so with the Sabbath age, the Son of Man, Messiah, will be Lord over it. And therein lies the key. Even before the coming of the Sabbath age, you can live in its blessings now. If Messiah is Lord of the Sabbath, then if you will truly make him Lord over every part of your life, then the Sabbath age will begin for you now. For where Messiah is Lord, there is the kingdom and the age of Shabbat. The mission, make the Lord of the Sabbath all the more the Lord of your life. And learn the secret of dwelling in the Sabbath age even now. Exodus 28 through 11, Isaiah 11, 1 through 9, Mark 2, 27 through 28. So I'm pretty amazed at how that all came together today. That was pretty awesome. It wasn't actually what I thought I'd get into. I thought I'd get further along, uh, but that wrapped up nicely. So. I will be making a video, I believe, tomorrow on the part I thought I would get to today, but I'm just going to trust the Lord's timing and what He's doing. And I hope you have a great day. God bless you, and I'll see you in the next video.